Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon, and today I have a very special guest. Allison is here. She joins us, and she means a lot to Adoption Now because she is the franchisor of Spavia Day Spa. She has 50 different locations in 17 different states, and she is a huge sponsor of Adoption Now, and she's just been a great encouragement to us. I was actually a member at Spavia. I love their massages and their facials, and she met my husband, and through talking, we found out that Allison is actually adopted. So she is a part of our show and just a part of helping us, and it's a big honor to have you here, Allison. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the show. I can't wait to hear your story. So where were you adopted? I was adopted in California in the Los Angeles area. And this is like 53 years ago. Yeah, sadly. You were adopted as a a baby. You know, you look beautiful. And I can't wait to put your picture on Facebook. I mean, you're so beautiful. And you have such a great story. And you're an encouragement to me as a mom because you always say, I love adoption and I love my parents. My adoptive parents are so important to me. Absolutely. And so they adopted you in California. Why did they adopt? Well, my, my father, it's usually the mom, but my dad couldn't have children. And so the option was to adopt. And not only am I adopted, my brother's adopted as well. But they just made that choice. They were in the early 30s. And, you know, back then, they didn't really have all the means that we have today in terms of, you know, the in vitro. And they just didn't have that option. My mom didn't want to go through anything like that. And so they took the adoption route. And how long did they wait? Do you know? That process? Well, you know, back then, it's interesting. They had to go through psychological tests. There was a lot of testing to ensure that my parents were fit, so to speak, to be adoptive parents. And I know that for my mom, she always found it to be a bit um, invasive because she kept thinking, boy, we are so qualified to be parents. We want to be parents. So they had to go through a lot more than I think even what happens today. Um, and I think it was about two years because I know it took about two years to adopt my brother. So it was a fairly lengthy process. Isn't that interesting? We said that too when we were going through the process, all the training you have to go to. And you think biologically anyone can have a baby. And when you're adopting, you have to pass out these tests and you <laughs> yeah. have to make sure that you're financially stable and just all the hoops can take a really long time. So two years, they finally get you. You're six weeks old. Mm-hmm. Do you know your backstory? Well, I do now. Uh, Growing up, I did not. Uh, I was raised knowing my story. My parents bought a book called, I think it's called The Chosen One, and read it from the time that I could understand the English language. It really wasn't until I was in my 20s I'd had a a water skiing accident. It was a freak accident, and it caused um, something where I ended up needing surgery. And uh, I kept going through the motions with physician's offices saying, I don't know my medical history. I was adopted. And as an adopted child, that is the one piece that you just want to know, you know, with medical technology, it's just, it's everywhere. So I, um, approached my parents and just said, I'm not looking for a parent. I'm just curious to how this all works. And they didn't really say much. Um, it was really just, really, really didn't say much. So long story short, I was in church. I was about 27 years old, sitting in the front row early as can be. And there was this little pamphlet that said adoption search. 
And the one thing that my parents had given me was the last name. They showed me the papers and I knew the last name. And here I am sitting in church. It was one of those moments that I thought, I'm going to call. And that night she gave me the name of my birth mother. Somehow she had records in Los Angeles and was able to look up the time and the last name. And so she wasn't very professional. And I remember speaking to one of my girlfriends and I said, gosh, I don't know what to do with this. I hear I think this might be it. And so her father was an attorney who had a private investigator that owed him some work. And he did the legwork for me. And when I was pretty certain that it was her, you know, back in the old days, I guess, you know, it was really letters or there weren't text messages or emails. It was just a, a handwritten letter and sent some pictures. And I just said, this is who I am. And I'm not looking for a mom. I'm just looking for some information. And then that was when, you know, really the whole process started. So your parents didn't know any information before that. They just got you at six weeks. They didn't know if you had a birth father. They didn't know if your mom was young or what the circumstances were. No. In fact, my, uh, my birth mom never saw me. They put a cloth over my face or over her face at, at birth. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. As a mom, you know how difficult that can be. How did you know that information You and you found them? Later on. Yeah, you had found out. So they took you, and do you know where you were for six weeks? Uh, I think it was called Holy Family uh, Adoption. I can't remember exactly, but just a, like an orphanage where they kept sort of children in waiting to be adopted. It's very interesting because we just did an interview with another adoptee, an older, um, you know, an adult, and she said the same thing. They had to wait six weeks. That back then, actually, that was protocol. You didn't go to the hospital and take the baby home right away. No, no. And, and in fact, they had a picture of I was in the newspaper with my mom and it was all the adoptees through this adoption agency that had just been adopted. And it was sort of a presentation of the babies and their new moms. Um just in a newspaper. So that, that was really how it was handled back then. It was just a very different, you know, from everything that I hear now, such a different process. Right. So let's talk about you growing up. We'll go back to that because we all want to know what it was like when you found everyone and, and things started to unfold for you. But growing up, you had a brother. How, how, what's the age difference? We're two years, two years apart. Okay. And were you all very close? Very close. Yeah, very Does close. Does he know his family? No. Mm -mm. And he doesn't know anything. Was he adopted also at six weeks? Uh, yes. Okay. And so you just had a regular life. You never asked them even when you were a kid? You didn't want to know any information? I really didn't. I, I And I don't think, and maybe my brother, we just never really talked about it because it was such a normal part of our life. And we never, I never wanted, I guess, another parent or another I, yeah, I just never went down that path. Did you tell your friends? My friends knew. But no one asked you that either? I mean, how did you explain as a kid that you were adopted? Do you remember? I just was. <laughs> I mean, just the way it was. You know, now there's such a history. But back then, there wasn't. It was just, this is your new life, and this is how it is. There, there was nothing more than, this is the life that you have now. And same thing with my brother. And it was just, it was such an accepted thing. And my parents never were in the mindset to feel like they had to explain themselves. So, you know, I think too, when I asked my parents about it, you know, again, I was in my 20s and 
very confident in my relationship with my parents. And, you know, again, articulating to them, I'm not here to look for another parent. I'm just curious about medical history. And I think my parents were confident enough and strong enough in our faith and in our relationship that it didn't. Now, I never told them that I found my birth parent because I never wanted to hurt them. Because this was this was about my information. Um, right. This was about me wanting to know more about me and not trying to find out who these other parents were or how they could fit into my life. Does that make sense? Right. You didn't want to bring everybody together, per mm -hmm. se. You just wanted to find out answers. No. And, and ultimately, I don't know how my parents would have reacted. I, I didn't want to hurt them. And so for me, it was for me. It wasn't more than that. When you first approached them? Did they look hurt? They did. My mom did. I think my dad, you know, my dad was always a strong person in the household. So he just sort of said, oh, Gloria, it's fine, you know, and never looked beyond that. I think they didn't want to ask and I didn't want to tell and I didn't ask and they didn't tell. So it was it worked really well for the situation that I was in. What would you say now to an adoptive parent who has a child that's asking them a lot of questions? I would answer them. I, I think everybody needs to know pieces. And, you know, I look at friends that have, have gone through the adoption process through the fostering and, and there can be some really dark stories. And I think when you live in such a healthy environment with such great parents, I'm not sure I really needed to know whether it was good, bad, or ugly. Uh, I, I just think that there's certain things that kids should know you know, what their nationality was, although we're such a metroplex of, you know, hodgepodge of, of um, backgrounds now. But I think knowing that, knowing the medical history, knowing if there is anything that I could potentially prevent as an adult, you know, those things are really, to me, most, I guess, paramount in terms of knowledge. But beyond that, not a whole lot. I think that it's difficult as an adoptive parent, and I just speak from experience. I have started this whole show and really based my life around truth. I believe in the truth and just tell the truth, whether it's good or it's bad or it's difficult. I think that that is where healing starts, is when we can be honest with ourselves and with the people around us. Now, when my son, who's six, started to ask me questions for the first time ever, I thought, I'm just going to make a story up. I'm just going <laughs> to tell him he's biological, even though he's African-American. Yeah. Because I don't, You, yeah. as a parent, first of all, you do feel you don't want the child to have another parent. You want them to only know you and love you and you have this connection and you don't want anything to come in to kind of take that away or damage that. You also don't want them to hurt in any way or to feel loss. But as an adoptive child, did you, you didn't feel loss when you were growing up. When you were starting to find things out, though, was there pain involved in that? Not really. I, I, you know, again, the whole process, and I guess I, I want to move a little bit into finding her, finding the birth mom, because that was at least for me the time when some of the pieces of the puzzle were filling in. So I find her. We communicate through letters only. She sent me a letter back and really told me the whole story of what happened. She was very young. She was 15. It was her first love. And, um, I was a result of that love and he was a couple years older. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, it's that young love and those are the things that happen. She didn't know she was pregnant until she was almost six months pregnant. And of six children, only two of her siblings knew that she was pregnant. 
the parents kept it. They kind of, you know, back then that's what they did. Right. And how sad, I mean, incredibly sad for her to be a young, scared teenager put into position and go through that process. So, you know, I, I received the pictures, which is, which was amazing to me because identical. I mean, I was her twin. I mean, I know that I have two half sisters now who don't look anything like her. So finding her and hearing the story, we exchanged um, a few more letters. And then I actually had taken it to my, my pastor and said, I don't know what to make of this. And he said, well, it sounds like she's a born again Christian, you know, that she's really tried to find, you know, in all her pain and all her hurt, um, another path. And so, you know, I accepted that. I said, you know, I'm not, and I, I had to repeat over and over, I'm not here to find another parent. It's really just that information. She said, you know, why is it that adoptive children always have to find their birth mom? You know, why can't they find their birth father? And I remember that striking a chord with me. And I thought, I you know, being a mom myself now, I think, well, because you had me and maybe he wasn't present, maybe he was, but chances are he wasn't based on the story that I knew. And it was just that natural instinct as an adoptive child to find their birth mom. Right. So, and so she was open to having this communication with you or did she say, you know what, I just want to talk to you, but please don't say anything because no one really knows. Well, that was when she had asked that we didn't communicate because no one knew about me except for her sister and um, I believe one of her brothers. So she actually stopped. She asked me not to communicate with her anymore. She said, you know, you have your information, you have the pictures of me. And that was it. So I was about 28 years old at the time. And then, like I, as I had alluded to before, the next piece of this story is actually finding the rest of the family. When you found the information out, what about your medical history changed anything? Or was there anything that changed? You know, in hindsight, not a lot. <laughs> I, I think just knowing and having a bit of that knowledge was meaningful to me because at least I was able to say something on paper of what that was. And, you know, knowing the medical field as I know it, I don't know, I, probably wouldn't be as important. It To me, what was more important was almost seeing what I looked like, you know, what that connection or resemblance was. That, again, in hindsight, ended up being more important to me just to see that, oh my gosh, there's this other person that looks like me. You know, and having children of my own, seeing how much they look like me, I think, wow, there they are, there I am. <laughs> so did you find out your ethnicity? Uh, I know that I'm Czechoslovakian. I know that I, I never found the father. Uh, I, I know that his name is Mark Livingston, and that is as far as I know. I've, they tried to help a little bit. Um, no one really knew him. Again, there was a whole other little story that went with that. Uh, but no, I didn't. I've never pursued it. Didn't haven't really felt the need to do it. And I think because I have my own children, there's sort of that legacy now. Right. Where you can also see yourself and connect exactly. and have bloodline. Um, when you found, I just, I can't even imagine finding a parent and all of this at 27 years old being revealed to you after you've lived a whole entire life another way. Mm -hmm. How did you put that into your everyday life? Did you talk about it or did you just kind of say, well, I found out and moving forward? Oh, I talked about it a lot. 
uh, my best friend still today, we were roommates at the time and just sharing that with somebody else and understanding that process. It was almost like grieving again because I found her that I lost her. Right. Sorry. I think that that is a fear when people decide to or not to find those parents. They think, what if they reject me? And in a way it was here, she's not here with you again. And finding out the story can be really painful, um, but also can be really healing. Did you experience healing in any of it? Yeah. And I think it was, as I said before, I think it was those pieces of the puzzle that God works in mysterious ways. I truly believe that. And everything is brought to light when it's meant to. Right. And, you know, fast forward to being 40 years old and I was somewhere and somebody said, have you ever Googled yourself? And I said, no, why would I do that? That's so silly. And of course, 13 years ago is really when a, a lot of the internet was coming to fruition. And I, I just thought, gosh, that just seems so silly. I know who I am, right? So it was 4th of July and wasn't feeling so great and sitting on my bed with my laptop and somehow in my head, have you ever Googled yourself, popped in and I Googled my name. And typically now, if you don't find anything on the first page, you'd never go to the second page on the internet. It's just, I'll just try another search. And the second page, it was the second or third page. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was pretty far down. And it was um, my half-sister looking for me and said, I'm looking for Allison Polka. You know, I clicked on it and called her, or actually emailed her, and she responded right away. And the story as it it is now and how it's told is... Um, the two weeks before that somebody had said that to me was when my birth mom had passed away. And before she passed away, she had told my sisters that there was one more sister. And they told the story. And my sister, Debbie, was really upset at her because they understood. And they said, you know, why couldn't you have told us? And again, she had so much bottled up inside of her um, because no one knew. And, you know, again, you, you move forward 40 years and people understand adoption. They understand that it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. But she never saw it that way because it was taken from her, if that makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, back then, birth mothers were, you know, told to be quiet and it was very shameful. And let's move the baby into a new home and you move on. And that was it. There was no therapy. There was no counseling for after. I mean, I would say even... Even 10 years ago, we were still functioning like that. And so over the last few years, since adoption is just huge now, um, and birth moms have more rights, and we're doing open adoptions now, totally different scenario. But back then, absolutely, she was just going to keep you quiet and keep going, because that's what she was told to do. Very quiet. And, and that evening, it, you know, and I think I'd mentioned my husband is also adopted. And so I went downstairs, and I said, I need... Thank God you're sitting down because I really need to tell you something really important. And I said, I Googled myself and it said looking for Alice and Polka and I clicked on it and lo and behold, there's my half sister and I just emailed with her and we were having this correspondence. So in this correspondence, uh, we ended up speaking on the phone and she's one of my best friends now, which is pretty amazing when you think about the whole totality of the story. 
But she had told me at that juncture that her mom, my birth mom, had passed away. And they hadn't had the funeral because she was cremated and they were waiting for family, you know, trying to coordinate the date. So this was 4th of July. She was buried um, over Labor Day weekend and I attended the funeral. Wow, that's amazing. We have to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Allison in her search for her birth parents. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is April from Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm here with my husband, Noah. What does it mean to be adopted? What does it mean to adopt? Here at Adoption Now, we're answering those questions. We wanted to start a program to give adoption a voice through storytelling. We want the adoption community to be empowered to share openly what they have experienced. That's right, April, but we need your help. November is National Adoption Month, and we're running a fundraising campaign to keep Adoption Now going and reach more people. Would you partner with us? You can do that by visiting our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking the Donate button. We are a nonprofit, and donations are tax-deductible. Let's return to today's broadcast of Adoption Now. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Allison, the franchisor of Spavia Day Spa. She's also a huge supporter of Adoption Now, and she is adopted. She's been telling her story of how she was adopted when she was six weeks. She had wonderful adoptive parents that she was very close to, had an adopted brother. But when she was 27, she got into a skiing accident. Water skiing. And decided to find her birth mom. At that time, uh, the birth mom wrote her letters. They went back and forth. But she found out that she was a big secret when she was born. And so her mom asked that they just cut ties. So fast forward, you're 40 years old. You Google your name. And you have half-sisters who are looking for you. Exactly. But your mom had passed away. Mm -hmm. So what did that feel like? You know, uh, had I not found her at the age of 27, I think it would have been maybe a greater loss, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But because I had found her and was given really the honesty of the story, I was able to maybe accept, um, you know, obviously not ever getting that opportunity to meet her is is something, you know, I carry for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I gained this whole other family that was all a part of her life. So, you know, again, having that communication, uh, it's amazing how much my sister and I are alike and the paths and how we, we've, our lives sort of kind of run this little parallel. Uh, our daughters are three weeks apart in age. Um, but I, I flew down. It was Palm Springs. I flew down to Palm Springs. I met my sister and my niece for the first time and we drove down to Palm Springs to meet the rest of the family for the funeral. Everybody wants to know what that was like. I mean, were you a nervous wreck? Were you thinking, do I look like them? Or did they send you pictures first? I only had pictures of her. I didn't really have pictures of anybody else. Uh, Gosh, you know, I don't know. Yes, I was nervous, but I think I was excited all at the same time. Uh, 
but meeting everybody was overwhelming. I mean, there were a lot of people. We had dinner, I think the first night that I was there, and I have these four uncles and cousins. And of course, one of my cousins thought he was the oldest, but now I've beat him out on that. So, you know, sitting there at the dinner and one of my uncles could not stop staring at me. And I remember at one point thinking, is this a little uncomfortable now? (laughs) Staring at me and, you know, I'm, I'm vocal, I'm an extrovert, so I'm not really afraid to speak up or speak my mind. And, you know, I had three young children, so I was really comfortable with who I am and who I was. And my uncle finally said, you know, I I really need to apologize. You are such a spitting image of Diane. You have no idea. And it's like we're looking at her. And, And that was, it wasn't uncomfortable. It was just that moment of, wow, I really am so much a part of another human being without knowing that person and being at the funeral and going through that process. Um, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I mean, I, I gained really a whole nother family, um, two amazing half sisters, uh, with just a, you know, beautiful family. So what was it like for you during the actual funeral service? Ah, uh, it was hard. Yeah. And it, in the, in just looking at it is so crazy to me that they had lost this woman that they loved and yet then they gained her back in a way yeah. because you were so much like her. I mean, the whole family, I would have been staring at you too. <laughs> well, you know, and I always say it seems to be when somebody dies or some, a birth, you know, it's this whole circle of life. And I think for them, it was, they lost, but they gained, um, you're, you're so emotional telling the story. Tell me what's going through your mind as you tell it, even now. I'm very blessed. I told um, told my daughter I was doing this today. And she said, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's amazing. And I said, I'm so blessed. My birth mom was selfless enough to give birth to me. And I said, without that, I wouldn't be here, nor would you. And I said, and I get to be me today and get to do what I do. And I, and you know, she has a soccer game tonight. And I said, and you get to do you. And that was, um, you know, having that conversation with her before I came here, thinking all the selfless choices that these birth moms take Mm -hmm. and how many people just so easily say, I'm going to give up a life and abort. And how sad, you know, for those that don't get that opportunity. And, you know, I'm in a place where I have an amazing family, an amazing um, business. And a big part of why I do every day with Spalia is to give back and make a difference. And hopefully make a difference in someone's life that doesn't think me, but can think the life that they have. Your story is so encouraging to so many people. Like I said in the first segment, when I first met you, you encouraged us as parents because you loved your parents, because you can pull away and connect with every piece of the story, because you accept the hard 
and you are thankful for what your parents did. And because you can see your mom, even when you talk about your birth mom, that deep love is there, Mm -hmm. you know, and also for your adoptive mom is your loving person to start with, (laughs) but that you feel that adoption is a beautiful thing and, and it's out of loss. Mm -hmm. It's out of really difficult choices, but the end result is so beautiful. Yeah. I think, you know, for, for a birth mom to, like I said, be so selfless and give such an amazing, beautiful opportunity to a family that so desperately wants to be a parent, um, there's no greater gift. I mean, we're all children of God, and, and, and how you get there sometimes to be that family is through adoption. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to have three of my own children, um, but I also know I get to be a really great mom because I was given that opportunity. And a lot of these poor, sweet babies never get that chance. So being a mom is like my greatest gift to get back to. When you found your sisters, are they full? Are they full sisters or are they also? They are. Yeah, they're full sisters. So they have the same dad. Same dad. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, but same dad. Uh, and that was it. She had the three girls. And so you said you do have a relationship with them. Now, what does your brother mm-hmm. think about this whole story? Not a lot of opinion. Uh, he never attempted to find his birth parents. So he's, I think, very indifferent. I did tell him when I, at 27, when all this happened originally, you know, I just said, it's not something I really want to repeat. It's something that I needed to do for myself. And, and I guess judge, you know, I was never judged by him or why did you do that? I know the night that I, I found my half-sister through the whole internet process, my husband, I think, knew the names of his birth parents and got on the internet and did all the search, you know, to really no avail. But I don't think it was something... Maybe that I don't, neither of them really felt the need to pursue. Do you know why your, your birth mother had given birth to you in Los Angeles? She lived in that area. I actually grew up in the Los Angeles area, and she was living in the Los Angeles area at the time. Palm Springs was uh, where she was, where the funeral was, because that was where family lived. And because she was cremated, it was, that's where everybody met. Okay, I get that now. So she didn't, she wasn't traveling around. She stayed in the same place the entire time. She did. In fact, when I found her when I was in my 20s, she lived literally not even 30 minutes from my parents. This is so crazy. Have you watched that show, um, Long Lost Family? I have, you know, I have seen it once or twice. It's just like this. (laughs) It is. I know, I always say, people always say, you need to write your life story, but it's... Yeah, my life, literally, there are so many chapters in my life that um, this is such a huge piece of my life. And, um, you know, it's a good story. What would you say to someone who's adopted and they're thinking of finding their birth family? What would you say to be prepared? Oh, wow. Um, Be prepared for the emotional components that come because it... (laughs) You know, it's almost like they say with the whole grieving process, you know, there's, there's anger, there's um, joy, there's frustration. I mean, you go through so many emotions and you need to be prepared that it may not be a, a good result. 
you may be rejected again. You may be in a place that no one knows about you. You, you may be in a place that uh, that was their past and they want to keep it that way. You know, on the flip side, there may be that mom, uh, birth mom that gave birth that has this desire and extreme love that wants to share that at some juncture. But you have to be totally ready for all of it because the emotions are truly all over the place. You said that your husband is also adopted. He should have been on here today as well. No, I know. <laughs> How did you two meet? Uh, we met in San Francisco uh, at a friend's barbecue, and he came with a friend of a friend, sort of on a fluke. They weren't meant to be there, and I was at a housewarming for my one of my best friends, and he showed up. But do you think that that connection of both being adopted is what really connected you guys together? No. Mm -mm. No. It just happened to be. It just happened to be. And his sister's adopted as well. So in your marriage, though, how is it? I mean, you guys understand each other. And when you both had a baby, mm -hmm. I mean, this is the first bloodline. What was that like? Incredible. Incredible. In fact, uh, Joe, our oldest, growing that first year was so a little Marty. I mean, there's really no explanation for it. In fact, the first year um, before we owned our first home, we lived with uh, Marty's father for a short while. And his dad kept like Marty's high chair in Marty's bucket. Marty's. So when Joe was about a year old, I put them in the same, like the same bucket and the same high chair and took pictures and just that then and now and seeing how much, you know, our daughter is such a blend of the two of us. And my youngest, John, I always say is my mini me. And, you know, as a baby, couldn't tell his picture, baby pictures apart from mine. So to see that is, you know, a connection to, in some ways, a st super strong connection because there's just that it's mine and that feeling of, uh, like it, that's a hard thing to explain. I agree but with very you. Very emotional, yeah. I um, They say that when a adopted person has a child, they are so connected. So when I hear that people have adopted um, from an adoptee, mm -hmm. I can't believe it because usually the circumstance has to be so difficult because when you're adopted and you have a child, that's your first bloodline and that is so that connection is so deep. You never, ever want to have anything happen. Um, and so... To me, I think it's such a blessing when I hear stories. And one of the girls we just interviewed, Sarah, um, who's an adult, she has four. And she's like, I just, I love these babies so much. I and know. to see myself in someone else really does mean a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a special, not that it's a, a more special relationship. It's just intense. It's, it's an intensity. You know, Joe, like, I, I can think of each of our births in such a detailed manner and, and Joe especially because he was the first. Um, yeah. He just turned 20 and it's like, gosh, yesterday that, that moment that they said the boy and to see him and think that this was mine. Um, it's really powerful, really powerful. And I know, you know, it was the same for Marty. Um, he definitely, we both just thought, we did this. You know, this this is ours. And I remember thinking, um, having our daughter, 
we didn't know the sex of any of ours. And so when Emily was born, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, now I have this little boy and this little girl. I mean, now I get the mini me and the mini him. And when John was born, I remember holding Emily thinking, you know, I was nine months pregnant thinking, I don't know if I can love anymore. Like this is, the, this is it. Right. And John was born and gosh, that little guy to this day, I mean, just completed our family and thinking that now there's these three little ones that are part of me that are going to go create other little ones. Not now, <laughs> someday, right? but really pretty ma- amazing. Probably helped you understand what your own birth mother went through when you gave birth and to oh. think if someone had taken the baby right away or if you hadn't you know, been able to love the child. I mean, that must have given you such a great connection and, and compassion for her and what she went through. Incredible compassion. Uh, you know, gratitude, compassion, love. You know, gratitude is really the, the number one for me and thinking how, again, how selfless to go through something s- you know, to go through, living through a miracle and then having that miracle just taken from you is really intense. What advice do you have for adoptive parents and how they connect to the birth mom? Wow. See, it's such a different relationship now because I think there has to be a respect because I think that the the birth mom is going to go through a lot of different phases. You know, there may be some birth moms that are okay and just letting go, but then there are going to be other birth moms that are going to second guess, that are going to say, what did I do? Oh my gosh, I want that child back. I mean, there's, you almost can't predict what that's, that path is going to be like, but I think there needs to be an understanding that there is love for that child, both on the adoptive parent side and on the, on the birth mom side, the understanding that that love is there on both sides will get them through. Um, and now I know a lot of birth moms are involved in their lives and it's like, Oh yeah, that's your birth mom, but those are your adoptive parents. And I'm not sure about that either. That, that to me, um, I don't know how that would have gone with my parents to think that I had, okay, well, my mom said no. So I'm going to go to my other mom and see what she says. Right. Right. (laughs) I think, I think there needs to be very defined, uh, a set of rules of that's never taken away from the adoptive parents because right well usually they're not co-parenting there's an understanding that your the birth mom is kind of like an aunt that would come and visit and that's your tummy mommy and but we're your parents and you have to listen to us and right. that new road is definitely um, filled with trial and error mm-hmm. where parents are trying to open the adoption up and most of them say they found a really great path. They have figured it out that works for them. And the child isn't always confused and it's actually beneficial that some people can't even fathom it and they close it and they can't deal with that. And, and I respect both. Mm-hmm. I think that every journey is different. I think every adoption is different. I think, you know, whatever is best for the child, what, what might be good for, you know, on our kids might not be good for the other one. And that's why I say it's, I think it's so hard to predict. I think that question is so hard to answer because it's such a personal journey and so different for each. I think more than anything, adoptive parents and the birth mom and or father just have to communicate. I think there's just got to be that 
open line of communication. Again, I know it's so different now, but like you said, there's a whole set of rules and making sure that the adoptive parents, oh gosh, almost to the place where they are, they are the parents. Yes. There's, there's no other parent but parents that adopted that beautiful child. I think across the board, we can say that there is love on both sides, though. Absolutely. And that is one thing that's new in this experience is a lot of times we have just focused on, hey, we got this baby and this adoptive family just adopted this baby. It's so great. And the birth mom is kind of off to the side. Um, You know, we don't talk about her. But now now we are Mm -hmm. in adoption. Now we're talking about the birth mom and across the board. Moms love their babies, no matter what the circumstance, no matter if they're not even good moms, they know they can't take care of their babies, whatever it is, there's that, that motherly love that you can't help but have. And it's a beautiful thing that she did choose to carry and that she gave you life. Mm -hmm. And I honor our birth moms in our home because they gave me children. They made me a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and even though they may not have made the best choices now, they did then. And they, they look at this amazing thing they did. And so I'm, I'm just happy for you that you were able to turn around and find her and that you were able to read these letters. One last question I have for you mm-hmm. is how did you know she was born again? You had said the pastor said. it was There was some excerpt from a book that he had said that was an author from a born again faith. And so based on what she said, like I said, I wish I would have brought those letters and I didn't, but based on what the excerpt was and who the author was, he really felt that she was trying to start anew and not forget me, but move on and allow my parents to continue to be my parents and for her to continue being a parent to the two daughters that she had and raised. So those are her daughters. And that was really her allegiance was to her, my two half sisters you know, and I respect that too. So it's just amazing because you can see God through the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I'm so thankful to have two half sisters and to be able to be a part of their lives. Um, I, I look at, and the other thing that I, I do want to note, because I think it's really important, people always say this whole nature nurture. And I look at my side um, or my birth mom's side and the creativeness uh, my parents, my adoptive parents were not creative. You know, my dad was in sales and creative in his own own way, but kind of that very literal. And I was always playing the guitar. I was singing. I was very artistic. And I look at even now with Spavi and, and um, the design and everything that I do, that was so prominent on my birth mother's side of the family. And it is interesting to kind of look at that and what's so ingrained in our DNA and how that comes out um, and, and to honor that in the children, whether that's not you um, or Noah, but to see and recognize such a gift in a child that may be so ingrained. Right. Born with. Born with. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me shed my tears. Yes. And thank you for sponsoring Adoption Now. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Absolutely. Thank you. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.